Welcome back. I am here with Yvonne Smith, a noted hypnotherapist who focuses on PTSD, as well as experiencers who've had recollections of incidents that have happened. Yvonne, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. So what is your origin story? How did you get into helping patients regress back to these experiences? Oh, I've been doing this 32 years now. Unbelievable. The time has just flown. And I've been asked this question, I mean, all 32 years. And it's hard to answer in a way. But now, after all this time, I have to say, I feel that I was placed on this road to do this work. I mean, I didn't want to say this many years ago because it sounded so woo-woo. But... I really feel it's true now from all the, the cases and that I worked with and alien beings and messages, because I had a completely different life. My mother asked me to go to, at the time, we had whole life mm-hmm. expo all over the country. Well, this time was in Pasadena, which was in my backyard. And my mother, she liked the metaphysicals and she was also very psychic. And so we went and she knew about Bud Hawkins, who, if people don't know out there, he's considered the pioneer of abduction research. And eventually he became my mentor. I was very, very fortunate when I started, but we sat in on his lecture and I had no idea of this before I listened to what he was saying. And I saw his slide presentation and the drawings. And then afterwards, my mom and I were able to talk to him and ask, ask him a couple questions. I don't remember exactly what I asked him, but from there, I've heard this from hundreds of people I worked with. I went to a bookstore. At the time, we went to a bookstore. I took my oldest son because he had a book report. And when I walked around the bookstore and I saw this book on this display with a very strange cover. And I looked at it and I'm like, what is this? said communion mm-hmm. on the cover. And so my son's walking around trying to get his whatever he needs. And I opened it up and it was hardback. So I read the side jacket and I said, wow, this sounds really interesting, especially after I heard but. And so I bought it. I read it in two days. And anybody who knows me, I don't read anything in two days. You know, I'll put it mm-hmm. down and maybe come back to it. I read that book in two days. and. After that, I just started reading. I just started researching. And I usually get bored with something. I never obsess over anything. I never have. But for this subject, it just grabbed a hold of me for some reason. At the time, I didn't understand. And then I looked up, I was researching hypnotherapy colleges. And luckily, there was a very good college here in Southern California. And I went through the course and I became certified. When I became a hypnotherapist, I was mainly wanting to work with cancer patients because mm-hmm. my uncle, my very close uncle, we were almost like brother, sister. We we're only 10 years apart. He died at 41 years old of cancer and I was with him. And that's when I thought, oh my God, I would really love to help people cross over. But then when I started meeting people and the first person I met was Andropel. 
very prominent researcher. She wrote several books. She lived in my neighborhood, which was wonderful. And I spoke with her. And then from then, I started attending UFO conferences. And then I started working with Bud, but he would come out here from New York. Eventually, he asked me to sit down in a couple of his sessions. And it was, I can't even tell you how valuable that was. And I didn't realize it back then. Mm-hmm. But I learned with him hands on. I mean, because they don't teach this in the hypnotherapy colleges. I am currently teaching other therapists how to do this work, though. But that's how it kind of started. It just snowballed. I started getting referrals. And I thought, oh, this should be interesting. I'll get a couple cases maybe of abduction while I'm working with cancer patients. And it just, it flipped. It was totally the opposite. I just started getting and working with abduction cases. Unbelievable how many people need help because they can't talk to anybody, especially back in the early 90s. And it was a little bit better now. And this is what I've been doing for 32 years. I mean, it's making up 98% of my practice, actually 99% of my practice now. And people still around the country and other parts of the world, because this is worldwide. Back when I started, we barely were starting the internet, barely were starting emails. Everything was done by phone calls and snail mail. Mm-hmm. And now it's wonderful because I could connect with somebody in Europe on Zoom like this. I do Zoom sessions now, which I never thought I would do remotely. I always wanted to be with my client, but COVID changed that. And a lot of us had to reinvent ourselves with COVID. You know, we go into quarantine and, and nobody was working, but abductions didn't stop. People still needed help. People were still having PTSD symptoms. And so I decided to branch out. And I've been doing now Zoom sessions for a couple of years now. And it's opened up a whole new world for people who don't have anyone in their area. And more times than not, that's what happens. And so they're able to reach out and I do the consultations first and then we do the sessions and knock on wood so far so good. So I'm able to reach out to many people. I mean, like I said, around the globe, really. A few rapid fire questions because you've raised like six different questions in my mind. I want to make sure I cover all of them. Okay. So really quickly, over that 30-year period, roughly how many patients have you seen and roughly now how many do you see a year? Oh, a year. Oh, well, if you maybe, if I'm doing three or four sessions a week. And, okay. But, you so know, you're talking, you're talking 150 to 200 a year. About, you know, sometimes it's less, sometimes it's more, but over the years, I've seen a couple thousand people. I've done hundreds of hours of hypnosis sessions and now like i said with the internet i have my website i get people contacting me through my website they fill out the questionnaires i have a facebook page only for people to be able to contact me i don't put any 
personal content or anything on there. And I think another one is Twitter. All these years, I never advertised, even in the old days. I mean, just one time I put an ad in UFO magazine because I got to know the owners and editors of it. And that was a print advertisement. And that's how we did it back then. Now we could do Facebook. Now we could do Twitter or whatever else, you know, social media. And then people will reach out. So I'm still getting probably at least two new people a week reaching out for possible help. Now for folks who need help, where should they go to contract your services? I think the best place is my website, hypnotherapistyvonsmith.com. And I'll put that in the links below so that people can find you. Thank you. They'll read about my background. They'll read about my support group that I founded 31 years ago, CERO, Close Encounter Resource Organization. They'll see the questionnaires on there and so forth, and they'll be able to email me with any questions at all. And that's how mainly I get contacted is through my website and, of course, personal referrals from different places. Now, what signs should people be mindful of or or what should trigger someone to contact you? You know, many times, oh gosh, the classic one is the missing time. Bud Hopkins coined that term back in the 80s, and he wrote the book Missing Time. And I have hundreds of cases of that. What's really very interesting about this phenomenon is that people will have missing time. And back in, it could be 20, 30, 40 years ago. And that has stayed on their mind for all those years, wondering what happened to that hour or two hours. And sometimes they're with other people, they're, they were driving, sometimes by themselves, but it haunts them that wondering, did something happen? And, and imagine losing an hour or two of your life and you don't remember what happened. You're thinking, do I have a brain tumor? Am I okay? I mean, did this really happen? So that's one of them will contact me because they finally say, look, I hope you tell me I'm crazy because that way I could mm-hmm. take medication or go to the hospital and I'll be done with it. Other times they will have recurring dreams and that's an indication that the subconscious is trying to resolve an issue with the person. And these recurring dreams are of being with other people, being taken somewhere, and they're frightening. And many of them are frightening because it's almost like they're being kidnapped. So it's the recurring dreams or nightmares people have. Many of them will call me because they know and they feel that they saw a UFO or flying saucer many years ago with family members, and they managed to put it on the back murder. They didn't want to think about it. They want to live their life. And then they had children. And then the children, and I say between like, say, four and five years old, they'll start talking about something coming into their room, 
something that's frightening to them. Many of them won't sleep in their own bedroom. My son did that. My youngest son did that. He was always coming in the middle of the night to our bedroom. And he was about five. And they'll say things like a little doctor came in my room or Casper came in my room. One case was a little boy would say, Captain Kirk was in my room. But then when he described a Captain Kirk, it wasn't anything like the Captain Kirk we know. So there's a lot of different reasons why somebody comes to me initially. And it's it's mainly that haunting of, I know we saw a strange something in the sky. It was flying really low. It was no sound. And then we got home and it was two hours later. That haunting question, did something happen? What happened? Did we really see that? Or it was even bright lights that they were shining in the car and then they don't remember anything after that. What about children wandering out at night? Oh, yeah. I mean, children that out go outside and then the parents will find them in the middle of the yard, not knowing how they got there. That's frightening because you think you guys, my child sleepwalking, but how did he get outside? He's not tall enough to open the door. But adults do that too. Adults Mm -hmm. have found themselves outside, not remembering how they got there, in their underwear, just things like that. Those are the bits and pieces of the incident, you know, bits and pieces of memory haunt somebody and if finally they can't stand it anymore and I think you know it's it's just me I can't concentrate on work it's interfering with my relationship and that's why they come that's why they decide I'm going to do this and what about people who aren't necessarily disturbed but they're curious about some of these things is that a good reason to to do it or that does that require a consultation to yeah, I always do a consultation first to meet, you know, I, and I do it on Zoom now rather than having them come to my office first. Many of them travel a long distance, but we'll do the consultation via Zoom. That way we can meet each other and I can get an idea of what's happening. And I tell them if your life is going well and your relationship, your marriage, and you're not suffering from PTSD symptoms, then Go live your life because just being curious is just not enough. Only because if something happened, and that's why I send out my information and questionnaires and make sure people are ready to do this. Because if something happened that they really didn't accept, but they were just kind of wondering and kind of playing with this, oh, maybe I saw aliens, and something did happen, they're opening up that can of worms. Or I tell them, you squeeze out the toothpaste and you can't put it back. You know, are you going to be ready for that? Because it will change your life. You will not look at life the same anymore. And people may look at you different. So it's a lot to think about. But the people that do come back, mainly they're having the PTSD symptoms it's hard for them to get on with their life when it starts interfering with their everyday, you know, their work, 
their relationships, then they do need the help and, and then they come and get the help. And when you say they push the toothpaste out of the tube, what are some of the both positive and negative effects on the far side of going through this? You know, it usually starts out very traumatic because people aren't expecting this to happen. We didn't all grow up with reading about this in books in school. You know, nobody discussed it. So the experience usually starts out a traumatic one because frightened. They knew something was in the room, but, you know, they couldn't remember because they blacked out, just things like that. Eventually, as they go through the process of regression, and one or two sessions does not do it. I've been working with people for the last 30 years because it's an ongoing experience. It just doesn't stop and go away. It may lay dormant for a year or more, but then something else will happen down the line. So it's a process where they go through the sessions. We bring up these hidden memories. After each session, we have a debriefing about what came up because I've heard it so many times. I feel like I made this up. Did this really happen? And they're going to go through a roller coaster of emotions. Okay, this did happen. And then they want to accept that it happened. And that's why 31 years ago, I started the support groups hero because, and and like I said, that time it was all phone calls. We were emailing each other and to bring together people who had this experience. So they know they're not alone and they could share their experiences in a private setting where they know they're not going to be ridiculed. So the transition from trauma to finally incorporating this into their lives and then looking at it as people have come out the other end of being more spiritual, living a better life, a better person, treating others the way we want to be treated and really living. Golden rule, right. Exactly. Many of them say, when they're asked, would you rather not have this ha- happen to you? And, they, and many of them said, no, I'm glad this happened to me. It's like looking at the world differently. Like I said before, it just changes your life. So it is a process. And that's why I send out the information and questionnaires to be sure that a person is ready to go through the process and accept what comes forward. Now, what percentage would you say roughly people who didn't or you wouldn't characterize as as had like a very discreet experience where they had memory of anything going on, but just kind of had a a dream or a tiny bit of missing time. What percentage of your clients have kind of come in with kind of just faint, very faint, no memory, but where they opened up this veritable can of worms? Oh, many. I mean, probably over 50, 60%, you know, they know something. It's that, like I said, again, that nagging feeling of, you know, especially the, 
recurring dream or nightmare or some missing time in their life or they saw something strange in the sky and then they can't remember anything after that. And especially when they're with other people, when like say family members, then they saw it too. So they know that something happened. And then there's the people who I can't even think about, you know, these people who are walking around and don't have any clue that something happened to them because it is very widespread. It is all over the world, not just here in the United States. It could happen to anybody. They don't discriminate. It doesn't matter whether you're famous or not famous or rich or poor or what you do for a living. It doesn't matter. Plus, what complicates this is that it's a family affair. There's a family connection there. So when people come in to see me, I will ask them, or even during the consultation, have your mother or father ever talked about this or the grandparents on either side or both sides? And then their children, you know, ask about their children. And maybe if they have four children, maybe two out of the four may have experiences. They don't necessarily all have to have experiences. And many times the family members, most of them don't want to talk about it. You know, they had an inkling that something weird happened, but it's like out of sight, out of mind, you know, but it doesn't stay there for a long time because when people put something like this on the back burner, the subconscious will start bubbling up, percolating to the surface, all these little bits and pieces of memory. And that's what bothers somebody. So Whitley Strieber has recently said that there was a huge spike in these incidents in the 80s and 90s, but they started to taper off, not in terms of the people reporting them, because I think that's actually gone up, but in terms of when the incidents actually happened. Has that been your experience? Are there still some folks that are coming in and having had experiences in this millennium? Uh, um, Yeah, I mean, people have had experiences they're ongoing usually as i said the majority amount of time this happens in their early childhood so when they come to me initially we start going back to when they were five six or ten years old you know going back to early childhood and working up to the present or they'll say i you know something happened to me two weeks ago i need to know what happened And so we'll do it that way. I just, I leave it up to my client on where they want to start exploring. Do they want to do the most recent experiences? I've heard that before about experiences slowing down, but I just, I haven't seen it. I really don't feel it ever has. Now with your clients, after they become aware of these experiences having gone through hypnotherapy. Do you have a sense that the phenomena, whatever it is, re-engages with them or they start to see things after they have these sessions? What do you mean? Like a sighting? Yeah. So let's say you bring back these memories 
does the phenomena, the entities, whatever they've seen, start to re-engage with this person? Like, do they have subsequent events after? Oh, yeah. As I mentioned, it doesn't stop. It's a lifelong experience. And I mentioned that it, it could lay dormant for years. And they think, mm-hmm. oh, they're done with me. And I've heard that so many times. And then something else happens. It just freaks someone out because they think they weren't ready for it. They just thought they were done. Yeah, because it's lifelong. So there's been many times where a person who has seen me doing several sessions will be ready to come in for their next session. And I've had people wake up with a triangle mark on their body. Or mm-hmm. like a mark on their forehead, like a, it looked like a, a long scratch. I remember this one client where um, he didn't have a cat and he woke up with a really deep scratch. It was right before he was going to come see me. And he heard a message that said something to the effect, because this is a long time ago, something to the effect of, we're here, we're not going away. So they're aware when people come to do these sessions, I mean, that can scare people, but they're aware of everything that we're doing. They, they're aware of me and they're aware of my work. Have they ever reacted to you in various ways? I've had experiences over the years. I think that's what in my 30s woke me up to why I'm doing this. And I'll tell you, I would say the majority of researchers that get into this field is because something happened to them and they're trying to make sense of it. And because something happened to me and I don't remember early childhood, it it was mostly when I started early thirties and then my two sons they didn't react to me where they were punishing me or anything negative like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there have been times where they will be in the room when I'm doing sessions, not often, but it's happened. I had a lady. In what sense, like a non-physical sense or physical? Yeah. It was a couple of times I had, one client, I had her in hypnosis, and her friend was sitting in on the session, and she's very psychic, and I noticed her looking like this, looking around the room, her friend. And so afterwards, when we were all done, she said, you know, there was two of them that came in, looked over my client like this, and then they walked back out. I mean, this all sounds very crazy probably to a lot of people but look i have like a hard science background Mm -hmm. and the more that i delve into this topic number one the stranger it gets and the stranger i don't mean that in a negative sense i mean that like the people who've been doing nuts and bolts analysis of ufos they're not right like i'm convinced they're not right that's part of it part of it but But we only see a very tiny fraction, or we only sense a tiny fraction of reality with our five senses, right? There's actually more than five senses, but. Right. And then if you look at quantum mechanics and just the way that reality actually works, you can 
describe much of this using scientific terminology. We're just not there yet as a species. So even like right now, you are literally, literally, you are levitating on your seat right now. It might not seem like you are, but most of you is 99.999% empty space, right? Because of, you know, the electrons, things like that. And you are literally, we're both literally vibrating light and sound. Now it doesn't seem that way. It seems like we're solid, but if you take a suitably advanced civilization, that's a million years ahead. And frankly, there could be civilizations that are billions of years ahead. Being able to manipulate how fast your physical manifestation vibrates and walking through walls and things like that, you'd be able to figure out technology that would allow you to do all that stuff. So the way I got into it was through the whole remote viewing, like our government did this and it works and they couldn't really explain why it worked. They can explain, you know, quantum tunneling, quantum communications, spooky action at distance per Einstein. So it may seem strange and it's not something that one should lead with. But again, the more I delve into this topic and, and the more I try to reconcile it with quantum mechanics, it's not crazy. You just have to open your mind to the possibility. You shouldn't go out and say this is definitely happening 100% certain because we might not even understand. I mean, I'll give you an example. Growing up, people characterize this as ETs from space. The more I look into this topic, it's possible, but I'm not so sure it's that. It could be another reality that they're coming through, they're bleeding through. The same thing could be said of ghost encounters, right? They could just be the bleed through of another vibrational reality. So anyway, now I'm sounding a little bit crazy. I, I just think one shouldn't take a definitive stance on any of this, number one, because people will attack your credibility immediately. Because oh, you, And you might be wrong. And in fact, you're likely to be wrong on a lot of this stuff. And by you, I don't mean you. I mean me yeah. and everybody else. Sure. Number two, you should be open to evolving what this reality was. I mean, our ancestors may have had the same experiences, and they may have described them as angels and demons, exactly. right? And there may be some truth in that, right? There may be they're from a different dimension or something like that that would explain it. So anyway, I didn't mean to go off on a on a tangent, but continue with your story. You, you said that you would have these experiences where they would view some of these hypnotherapy sessions. Yeah, so they know they're aware of when people come, when they're doing their sessions, when they're looking into this. And I'm really convinced that the beings, wherever they're from and whatever their agenda is, because they do have an agenda, they want people to be aware that this happened to them. They want people to talk about it. And it's in my second part of my book, Chosen, I call the urgency, where people have told me, people that don't know each other, and that's why I wrote about it, that they feel that they're supposed to do something, but they don't know what it is because something is going to happen soon. People have said, I think I'm supposed to talk about my experiences. I'm supposed to tell people about them, that this happens. It's just, I've been hearing it so much, and I'm still hearing it. 
and that things are ratcheting up. And I just heard it the other day from a couple of people and something's going to happen soon. So they do deliver messages to people. I've heard them throughout my whole career. They've given people messages about how we're not taking care of our own planet, that we don't know what we're doing with our weapons and they're concerned because this is going to affect the rest of the universe. You know, if, if we do something wrong and that's why in the sixties, when they flew over all those military bases and turned off the ICBMs and then turned them back on. I mean, if that wasn't a message to us, you know, I mean, we haven't paid attention. And I know some of those people that when that happened, they were there. So this is a, such a complicated experience, phenomenon. But I have to say now, and I wouldn't talk about things, certain things like this many years ago. But I have to say now that this is true. This is happening. People aren't making this up. You know, people from all walks of life. Now, in these sessions, what are the most common entities that people report seeing? The ones that usually come in, say, to the, in their home to take them are the small ones. Three to the five. Grays. Yeah, the grayish skin, large eyes, you know, that bald head, that typical look. But then there's other entities that may come in that people have seen the very common praying mantis who always seems to be in charge. Sometimes mm -hmm. will come in as well. But mainly it's the small ones. And then once they get onto the ship, then there's others. There's taller grays. They look like the little ones, but they're taller. Then there's, the, like I mentioned, the praying mantis, who's many times there in the room giving direction or orders. There's some that look like they're light beings. You know, they're just lit up within themselves. I mean, just they're just called light beings. Then there's the human-looking ones. We used to call them the Nordics before Bud died and John Mack, and I used to work with him too. Now, we, you know, we were saying those are probably the more perfected hybrids. And we haven't even gotten to the hybrids. And years ago, when I was doing a lot of talk shows and radio shows, I wouldn't even bring up the hybrids because that's just, just to it try freak to, people out. to look up in the sky and people don't look up. And then mm -hmm. we're talking about abduction. You know, then we're talking about hybrids, hybrid race being made, you know, the aliens and the humans being brought together and, and making this complete hybrid race. I mean, I couldn't say that in the talk shows in the 90s. That just sounds like I'm some kind of looney tune. But now I've got to go where the research has been taking me. And that's been happening too. Are those the only sorts of beings or have you seen others? There's been the reptilian beings. That's that's one that I, I heard a lot in the beginning of doing my research on this, but as I've delved deeper, I don't hear it very often. In all my caseload, they've been there, 
but they haven't been as prominent as the other ones that I've mentioned, but they have been there. They're not real pleasant. I don't think I'd want to wake up and see one of those in my bedroom. You know, thankfully I haven't. But the ones I mentioned are the ones that have been described as I'm working with someone, especially when we're starting off in, in childhood and then working up to the different experiences throughout their lives. Do you find that after you unlock these memories, you had mentioned people's outlook on life and reality changes. Has it unlocked any dormant, again, I don't want to sound weird, but any dormant abilities, psychic abilities, anything like that? Now, that's the question, you know, too, what came first? You know, yeah. are these people psychic anyway? And I think we all have psychic abilities. And when they had this experience, they were just enhanced. You hear this also about near-death experiences. People who died and came back, which I find is very interesting. And the accounts are very, very similar, even with children. And they come back and they have healing abilities. They're psychic. Mm. That's what has happened with the abductees, they're, some of them have just completely changed their career being in the corporate world and they become healers or they've been doing psychic readings. Yeah, definitely that those gifts, either they were given to them or they were just enhanced. So I'm, so I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Gary Nolan at uh, Stanford Medical School in June. And he touches on exactly this point. There is a structure in the brain or two structures in the brain. There's the caudate and the potomac. And he had been contracted by the CIA to look at sufferers of Havana syndrome. And what he found was what he has described as scarring in the caudate potomac. But they also, I guess, had him look at remote viewers and uh, experiencers and they had the same scarring and i think one of the questions that he was looking at was did the phenomena cause the scarring or was the scarring already there and it attracted the phenomena i, I think he may already have an answer I, i'll ask him on the show because i'd be curious but even when i interviewed debbie jordan Paulbull about her experience she discussed brain scans or mris that she'd had where the central part of the brain was lit up. And I think that's where the caudate potomac. So did Gary Nolan, did he, with particularly with the uh, abductees, abductees experiencers, I use it interchangeably. Did he, did they volunteer? Did he put them through MRIs? How did he find, or did they already have the scan? The the government had, yeah, the government, that's that's actually a, a good question. I think, Again, I'm speculating, but I would say it's probably a mixture of both. So okay. I think there was an initial batch. Again, I'm speculating, but my sense is there's, there's an initial batch that, because I think a quarter of them died after one of these experiences. Are you talking about remote viewing and NDEs? Uh, that he, he didn't mention NDEs. So remote viewers, experiencers, and sufferers of the Havana syndrome. And I'm not sure if that 25% that subsequently died 
were in all of those categories or in a subset? I'd have to double check. There's a New York Post article that discusses all of this in, in great detail that, that the audience and you should definitely check out because a lot of it is mentioned in that particular article, particularly you know the 25%. The that, you know what the name of that article is? No, I would just look New York Post, Dr. Gary Nolan, Stanford, 25%, and it'll pop up. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I wish we could do a definite study where I could get all of my clients and have them tested. I mean, I, you know. I would be very happy to make the connection. What I will do, and I, I offered the same thing to... Debbie Jordan Cobble, well, yeah, because her experiences sounded very. And she actually had the brain scans. So right. some of them have. After, after the episode airs, because it'll give me a reason to send it. I'll just send it to him first and ask him if he'd be interested in in sharing some of the data. I'm sure he will, but I want to make sure I do this. Oh, of course. Um, but a lot of this, you know, getting scanned and having like with the implants. We haven't talked about the implants, which I didn't talk about the very beginning when I was doing this, of getting them removed, getting them scanned, you know, getting them analyzed. It all takes money, unfortunately. And we would need benefactors to donate a lot of it, the surgeries or the testing, or some of them have had brain scans when just telling the doctor, of course, they don't tell them. I think I've been abducted, you know, maybe there's something in my brain, but like Deb, she got herself scanned and others have too. Not many, but others have too. Now, having gone through thousands of these regressions, and again, I'm not going to, the audience should not hold you to it. And I'm certainly not going to hold you to this. <laughs> Who do you think or what do you think these entities really are? Oh, gosh. <sighs> I've thought about that over the years and people have asked. I mean, I feel they could be like all of the above. They could be from another dimension. They could be from a parallel universe where they're able to zip in and out or from other planets. With the new telescope, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more evidence. Where they're not yeah, but, we, but we've seen that before, right? Like the face on Sidonia, right? The oh, sure. NASA yeah. just goes in and scrubs it and says, oh, that's just pareidolia, right? And so. Hopefully with this new technology, something's going to happen where they're not going to be able to easily erase it. You know, say, oh, sorry, you know, it wasn't that you know, weather inversion or whatever they used to say. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Many abductees feel that because of what's happening now, and it was after, was it 2016 when the Navy pilots came forward and said, 20, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know when they came forward, but the well, New York Times reported it in 2018. Yeah. yeah. It was like, we saw these things flying in our airspace. I mean, you know, and then people have gone, oh, wow. Have you heard the, the most convincing skeptical argument about what those things really were? What are they saying with, about that? I don't think so. So there's a program across several national labs called Project Bluebeam, which is a directed energy weapon oh. where you can fashion 
three-dimensional holographic images that also show up on radar, things like that. And I'm not a scientist, so I can't really, my view is a lot of these things are happening in parallel. So I think that a technology like that may possibly exist, or if it doesn't exist, they're certainly working on it. But I don't think, it certainly doesn't describe things that people saw in the 1940s and the 1950s, right? So it doesn't really, Yeah. and the other thing too, is the US government's not going to test this sort of program on its own pilots when they're flying around multi-million dollar. I mean, you're, you're flying around a carrier that has a nuclear power plant. Do you really think they're going to test exactly. some exotic technology without telling anybody when you have these aircraft flying around at you know, sub-mock speeds around? It doesn't no. make any sense at all. Right. And, you know, the, these pilots came forward, you know, I've met a couple of them, and Kevin Day, who was the radar specialist, and I thank them. I thank you so much, because they went through hell mm-hmm. to forward, like people do. I thank them. I said, you know, you're giving us a lot of credibility and people who have had these types of experience, seen craft or, you know, had abductions. I mean, you've done us a great favor. And I said this to him, we would, we did a conference together in 2019. So that was like before COVID, but, you know, I mean, really we're grateful to anybody who comes forward, you know, with a, a background, like our pilots, and a lot of commercial pilots have seen things that I've talked to and, you know, they're very well trained. So more and more people come forward where the general public can go, oh, my God, you know, that happened to him. You know, doctors, lawyers, people that have a lot of credibility in society, they're going to start talking more. They've Some already have. OK, so you mentioned the pilots and trying to get this information out. You also mentioned contactees talking about some event in the near future where the government couldn't stop the signal from getting out. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think what I coined the urgency that I've heard from people who still don't know each other several years back and talking about it now that many abductees, experiencers feel that Whatever's coming is ratching up, and it could be in a form of disclosure. You know, we talk about a lot about disclosure, but it isn't going to be up to us or our government. It's actually going to be up to them. And I I feel that the abductees, experiencers will drive this. We Mm -hmm. are driving it because people are coming, you know, forward more and more about this reality. But it could be in an event where these beings are going to finally show themselves and our government or none of the governments around the world are going to be able to explain it away. I think they're going to try, but I think when it finally happens, that's going to be it. People are going to know they exist. And of course, with the U S government, we've been lied to, you know, for how many years. So We'll see what happens. I just keep hearing, and I work intimately with abductees and experiencers, and I just keep hearing this, that something is going to happen very soon. And, I mean, 
we'll see. I, you know, I, right now I, I can only speculate because they don't tell the people exactly when, what time, what year. You know, we've been here, we were hearing so much about the Mayan calendar, the world's going to end 2020, you know, our computers were going to blow up or whatever it was. And it was even before that year 2000 is what the year 2000. But what I feel is very credible is that none of these abductees have said, have mentioned a date, a time, a year, anything like that. They just feel anxious. Like they're supposed to do something because the time is going to be near. Many abductees in while they're in session, in regression, and others who've also received messages have been told that they are going to be leading hundreds of people somewhere. They're going to be leading these people, and they know when the time, this is what they say, when the time is right when the time comes you will know what to do it's like we're all being trained for that right time that's the impression i'm getting people are having either vivid dreams or or they're seeing this in their regression about leading hundreds of people somewhere they know where what they're supposed to do they know where they're going while they're in session or during their dream but when I bring them back up, you know, they, of course, they don't know, you know, I don't know. I mean, we're going somewhere. They're having visions of a, like apocalyptic type visions yeah. or dreams. I've heard that too. It's almost like they're leading people onto craft right? as part of kind of an evacuation sort of scenario. I mean, you know, I'm hoping and praying that it's not going to be that type where, you know, we got to get out of here. The world's going to end because not everybody's going to be able to go, you know? Well, yeah, that's, so there are two remote viewers who independently came up with this kind of magic year of of 2040 where, well, I mean, it's not that any of this happens in 2040, but between the years 2020 and 2040, Lynn Buchanan, who is a military remote viewer also had an abduction experience. He did a a study for a major U.S. corporation back in the late 90s, and he saw some events which he described as a series of quote-unquote man-made natural disasters would wipe out 75% of the population of the planet. Man-made disasters is what he's talking about. And back in 1998, he had seen like schools had closed, people were on using technologies. I didn't see Zoom, but technologies like we're using right now much more readily. Businesses, people weren't going into work and things like that. So he had seen the first part of the COVID outbreak. And and by the way, if Occam's razor is any guide, the simplest explanation tends to be the most likely explanation. I think it's far easier to surmise that the outbreak occurred from a lab leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which focused on novel coronavirus research in the same city that the outbreak occurred. It's much easier to believe than a bat biting a penguin, which was consumed by, again, I don't know. I don't know what really happened, but there's been plenty of data to suggest that the company called EcoHealth pitched 
an idea of kind of genetically engineering spike proteins to find ways to prevent these viruses from breaking out and having a vaccine. And and DARPA said, no, (laughs) we don't want to do that. It's too close to gain-of-function research. And then the NIH, of course, cut a check to EcoHealth and EcoHealth cut a check to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But anyway, I don't want to engage in that sort of speculation. But that in my view, that constitutes the first man-made natural disaster in this right. process. Right. That's so very scary, very frightening. Uh, I, I, you know, I still don't know what is going to happen. Of course, I just know that many hundreds of people are saying something is going to happen soon. Now, remote viewers are wrong forty percent of the time, right? So there's a reason you you can't rely on any one remote viewer. No, 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 to, no, not at all. So just that's I mean no no Lynn Buchanan is very talented and yes uh, yes and Stefan Schwartz also indicated something very similar but his rationale for it was slightly different it was related to climate change mm-hmm. whereas Lynn Buchanan's was as well but in the sense that the climate change we're talking about was created by man-made weapons so yeah the U.S. has weather weapons according to Lynn. The Russians have earthquake weapons, things like that, like which which are far, do far more damage than than nukes. But anyway, I'm not saying that this is what's going to happen. I'm just saying that that's that's something that's out there. It could it could also be that maybe it's not apocalyptic. Maybe they are taking these people to start a new civilization somewhere and some who knows. Yeah, there's been a lot of you know visions or or dreams of people you know, waiting in line to go on to a ship too. So we, we just don't know yet, but I, I just been hearing this and I've just called it the urgency because they all feel like they, they're supposed to do something and they're not satisfied with their careers anymore. They're supposed to be doing something else and they don't know what it is. And it's very frustrating. So, you know, all I can do is listen and document it and, We'll see what the future brings. You get a sense that this is in your lifetime that this happens, according to these. I do. Yeah, I do. Are you familiar with John Yost? Not familiar. I've heard of him. I haven't studied him or read about him. But what is his? Same thing you're talking. He's an experiencer. Same thing that you say. He expects there to be an event that will be very unsettling but also wondrous at the same time. So it could, the event quote unquote could also just be this non-human directed disclosure, mm-hmm. which exactly. uh, this is kind of the Rumsfeldian unknown unknowns, right? Like people don't know what they don't know. <laughs> so, exactly. so imagine, like imagine, interacting with a civilization or a species that has a completely different brain structure, thinks completely differently, manifests itself in completely different ways, you know, without having experienced something, at least consciously, people have no idea how their reptile brain will react to seeing something that's literally so alien that they don't really have words for some of the things that they may experience if all this is true. 
And even, so, the, you know, even the experiencers and abductees, I think, are going to be, I think we're all going to be shocked or I don't know what the word is if and when that happens, if and when they show themselves. You know, like I said, it's not up to our government or any government. I'm not looking to them, you know, for that. Yeah, if you're so, looking to them, you're not going to get the answer because, look, I was a former Army officer. I worked for someone who became a sitting Secretary of Defense. Like, there's absolutely no reason that they should share the information. If their goal is to protect national security, they're going to protect okay. national security. Sure. Full stop. All this stuff, like when somebody says they deserve to know, you know, it's going to be no, F you. You don't deserve to know. You have no, you have, <laughs> right. Right? like we're protecting you and we can't let this stuff get out. So I'm not arguing that perspective. I'm just trying to describe why there is that perspective because they have a very narrow role and all this other stuff is just you and know, I, to them. If, if something like this happens, they're, they're not going to have control over it. I mean, that's the thing is well, the other thing. Well, the thing is they're already losing control of just day to day. I think like so. the COVID, the whole, the whole COVID reaction and everything since then, they're continuously losing credit, all credibility. So then again, I'm not saying this is a political statement. I'm just, no. everybody knows this is the reality. So anyway, I, I, we're way, way over. So it's been, it's just interesting. It's been an interesting time with you. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. And thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to speak with me. I think we definitely tread some ground and opened up some new possibilities. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And let me know, you know, when you want to have me back again, we, we just covered part of it. I can bring even one of my experiencers on and. Oh, I, I the audience would definitely be interested in that. And I, I, I absolutely would too. too. Yeah. They like to hear from the experiencer as well, you know, as, as well as my research. So anyway, have a blessed day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ivan. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. If you enjoyed this video, please click on like, subscribe, and the notification button so that you're alerted anytime I post something new.